What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of My Unapologetic Perspective here on the Mighty Motivation Network, where we give our point of view of controversial topics from experience, history, and knowledge as African-Americans. We appreciate everybody that has been tuning in to the previous episodes, everybody that's hit the like button, the share button, everybody that has subscribed to the YouTube channel, everybody that has entered private conversations with us and tell us how much they love the, the episodes. Uh, we, are, we are very appreciative of everything that we get, whether it's 50, 60, 70 people watching or 10, 20 people watching or one or two people watching. We're, we're happy to be able to give out information, uh, especially in this pivotal time here in America. Um, but I am your host, Martre Stevens, and I'm joined by my other host to the right of me is Shaquan Battle. To the right of him is Jerome Battle. And um, please hit the subscribe button on the Mighty Motivation Network on the YouTube channel. Um, so today we got a special episode. It seems like every episode is a special episode um, because... The, Black history is just so special. It, it's just so special. You know, it, it seems like the more we go into these conversations, the more it reveals um, how important African-American people are in history, um, how much we have accomplished and how much of it is not um, given the attention that it should be given. That's right. Um, so did this podcast, I know a lot of people say, you know, why is, why is it always black, 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 black this? Because this is a black history podcast. For those who don't know, this podcast was started because after doing black history, <laughs> black history month, uh, speaking engagements and posts, I said, um, it should be more than just this month that I'll be doing this. So black history every day became my motto. And this podcast came to light of a lot of people who are unaware of black history and unaware of the things that have been going on today that correlates with the treatment of black people in history that lead to systematic oppression, that leads to racism, that leads to the things that we are faced with every day in this country. And today is no different because this topic is um, very important and it goes back to show the history of America and why we're in the position that we're in now and as African-Americans to say, we deserve respect and honor and freedom, equality in this nation, just as much as anybody else, if not more than anybody, because of what we have built in this nation has been built on our backs, um, with our hands, with our intellect, um, with our ancestors. So today, um, in honor of in honor of Memorial Day, when this episode drops, it'll be on Memorial Day. Um, thanks to all of the soldiers who have fought. Thanks to all the soldiers who have enlisted. Thanks to all of the soldiers who have served. Um, in America, not just in America, anybody that have served other countries um, that have fought for their countries. I'm uh, even though living in America, there are people who who fought for their countries and they deserve the same respect. It's not just the red, white, and the blue. It's it's, it's everybody who are protecting values, principles, and interests in human rights um, across the globe. Um, so this is for you, for all of the soldiers who have who have uh, sacrificed their lives. We love you. We honor you. Um, and today we're here to talk about those African Americans who did so. Um, how are y'all? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I, I, I want to say too um, to my dad, uh, Memorial Day. Uh, thank you for your service. Um, my dad served in the army mm -hmm. back in the early '60s, uh, early on in Vietnam War. Uh, also to my oldest brother, Alvin, who served in the Navy. 
Um, also have two cousins, Antoine Odie and JT Odie, who served in the military, still serving today. Um, also Rodney Hurt, right. you guys, his cousin, um, serving in the military. Uh, so <clears throat> also I have a stepson who's serving in the military and a stepdaughter who just enlisted and graduates today. Congratulations to Mary Williams graduating today from high <laughs> school and to be going to the Air Force soon. So uh, a lot of military history in, in my family. Mm -hmm. um, so. Um, hats off to them. And for people who think that when we don't or I don't salute the flag, that I'm also disrespecting servicemen. No, no, not at all. Uh, applaud the servicemen that serve this country and protect us and also help give us the rights that we have to say what we want to say. Exactly. And also to acknowledge what we want to acknowledge and not acknowledge what we choose not to. <laughs> so so for those that believe that when you don't stand for the national anthem, you're disrespecting them, I say, no, we are not. No, I am not. Mm -hmm. so. And I say anybody that's that doesn't agree with that, listen to this full episode. And once we get to the end of it, you'll understand why. Absolutely. You would, you would definitely understand why. Also, Kevin Staples, who served in the uh, Iraq war. Mm -hmm. um, Julian Poindexter, who is currently serving now. Mm -hmm. Oh, my nephew, Cameron. Yeah. Nephew yeah, Cameron, Cameron yep. served as well. Yeah. Thanks to all of the all of you guys. We love you. We appreciate you. Um, we honor you. Um, so let's y'all know what we're gonna do. I'll let you start. What we gonna do? Chronology, baby. We're gonna go through a chronology. We're gonna go through a chronology because you can't understand without going through the chronology. Um, say it again, brother. Chronology. We're going through a chronology of history. Um, so, um, and I want to do this. I want to go by war by war. We're going to give information of African-Americans in each war. And then later on, we're going to talk about significant people and events that happen in each war. But I'm going to just, we're going to go through the wars um, first. Um, we're not going to get to all of them because there's, there's just so much. If we would do that, we would be here for hours, which I wouldn't mind, but I know people aren't going to tune in for, for hours. Um, so you guys feel free to jump in. Um, anywhere when we're going through this. <clears throat> but the first war we're going to talk about is the Revolutionary War, of course. And in school, you were taught that the Revolutionary War was started because of taxation without representation, um, taxes going up, and the Boston uh, the Boston Massacre happened, and the Revolutionary War starts because they done, the, the Crown was raising the taxes on, on the colonists. Um, which is true, which is partly, partly true. true. There, 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 there are certain things. There are another situation that we like to talk about on this podcast that happened as well, which is what James Somerset um, and what James Somerset was. You know, he was uh, a slave in I'm gonna, I gotta, he was an enslaved African in America and was taken to um, Great Britain. Mm -hmm. um, and when he was taken to Great Britain, he ended up escaping. And he was captured and they was going to send him to Jamaica um, back into slavery. And the people that he was um, that owned him in Great Britain said, you can't do that. Like you can't. There's no law that said that you can be able to just capture this person and, 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 and sell them. And it went to court and the magistrate or the judge at the time ruled in James Somerset's favor and said, you're completely right. They can't do that. And, right. and in the end, um, that providence in England, not all of Great Britain, but that providence in England outlawed slavery. That's right. Right. Um, not too long after the decision. So right. this passed on the word got back to America and the colonists 
about this particular case, and they thought that Great Britain was going to try to free the slaves. And there was also tension going on in the colonists. People like the Quakers were saying that it was wrong to keep people enslaved while you're talking about you want freedom from Great Britain. That, that's a contradiction. You can't talk about freedom and still enslave people. Absolutely. So um, tension built up. And of course, um, the Revolutionary War starts. So in 1775, at least 10 to 15 black soldiers, including some slaves, fought against the British at the battles of Lexington and Bunker Hill. Two of these men, Salem Poor and Peter Salem, earned special distinction for their bravery. Now, George Washington, the people who championed, he did not want to put guns into black men's hands. I don't care if you were enslaved or free or not. He didn't want to put guns into their hands because another thing that was happening at this time was Great Britain was the soldiers that were um, on American soil. They were kind of agitating the slaves like rebel. Y'all should rebel. Y'all should do this. Y'all should do that. And there were a lot. There were a lot of rebellions that happened during this time period. One happened in New York. Um, That's why they call New York the city that burned uh, so many times. Um, But what ends up happening was George Washington was low on numbers and said, you know, we have to start getting black people to join. And of course, about 5,000 to 8,000 blacks serve uh, the American calls. Um, and then a lot of the ones enlisted in the South was not voluntary. So they came up with the rule that if a slave master didn't want to fight, he could send a slave in his position That's and right. then they would compensate him for that slave. Um, and then a lot of free men in the South were kind of made to fight. They, they, they really didn't have a choice. It's either fight, die, or go back That's into right. slavery. You, you uh, actually had some, some slaves who escaped and still chose to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, some escaped and ended up fighting for, for the British. Oh, yeah. Um, but obviously, the, the blacks, they, uh, it's documented that over 100,000 blacks fought or unaccounted for, which means they either died, they, escaped, Mm-hmm. Or disease was something that a lot of slaves or blacks that fought in the Revolutionary War died from, but over a hundred thousand. Right, and, and a lot of them are unaccounted for because it was illegal for them to actually enlist. Absolutely. So a lot of them are unaccounted for. Um, so you know, uh, it was estimated about twenty thousand fought for the British, um, mm-hmm. and so a lot of them escaped and ended up fighting for the uh, for the British because they were promised freedom. Absolutely. So uh, the, uh, the result was because a guy now the name of uh, Lord Dunmore, uh, the governor of Virginia. of Virginia. So one of the things that he did, he put out an ad in the paper and said, if you join us, we'll we'll set you free. That's right. And blacks were were escaping to join uh, Great Britain. Um, many people that joined were kids. You talking about 11, 12, 13 year olds where they were just the drummers. That's right. Um, and approximately about 20,000 black slaves joined the British during the American Revolution. Um, but in the end, of course, we know America won. But in the end, uh, at the sign of the Declaration of Independence, promising liberty for all men fell to uh, end slavery. <laughs> it failed to include uh, blacks. It failed to include blacks. Absolutely. And, they, and even with the Protestant freedom, there is only eight slaves 
that are known to have been granted their freedom by on, on both sides. Absolutely. So um, there's only paperwork for eight people out of the thousands of people who signed up and promised the freedom by both sides. That's right. Um, so if you put this in perspective, if you go back and look at some of the earlier podcasts, we talked about this. Mm-hmm. We talked about the July 4th. Mm-hmm. We talked about Independence Day. We talked about how certain people believed that that was a war for slavery that happened years before the Civil War. I'm one of those people that believe that. If you look at how the information was passed down, the providence from the Somerset case, Uh and saying that it's actually documented that they were talking about outlawing slavery in all provinces Mm -hmm. of Great Britain, which would include America. Mm -hmm. That information got back to the United States through Benjamin Franklin and Samuel Adams and people of that nature. And the the, obviously George Washington had to do something. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you say, okay, we and here's here's why. Just just really quick. And I know we got a long line to go through, but let's get to the here. Why? Here's why. We're going to take our time. So when you look at the South, then you look at money for the new America. Mm -hmm. Right. Most of that money that was coming in in terms of export and import was based on the textiles provided from the South generated by no other than the black slaves. Mm -hmm. So the North was highly against it initially. Mm -hmm. However, the North was reaping the benefits because the North was flourishing. Mm -hmm. But without those textiles from the South, it doesn't happen for the country Mm -hmm. as a whole. So they say the only way we can do this is we have to preserve slavery. Mm -hmm. I don't care whether you agree with it or not. In order to keep that money, Mm -hmm. keep that wife looking like she's looking, keep that big house, you've got to have slaves. Right. And the only way to do that is we have to fight. Right. So obviously taxation with rep- without representation is what you hear about in school mm-hmm. because they were being taxed and there was no representation. Mm-hmm. Hell, that's happening today. Mm-hmm. Nobody crying mm-hmm. about it today, right? So what it was really about was the fact that we need to continue to be able to create this money. Mm-hmm. In order to do that, we need slaves. Mm-hmm. And, and that leads us into um, the next war, which is the War of 1812. And one thing we have to remember from the Revolutionary War to the War of 1812 is what he just said is the South was slavery. So we have to understand that uh, three of the first four presidents or four of the first five come right out of Virginia. That's right. So they wanted slavery. When you talk about George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, um, James uh, Madison, um, the one that didn't come out of was John Adams, which was considered a, a federalist. Um, which he wanted a strong central government. And he was for, after the Revolutionary War, continue to connect with Great Britain. And just real quick, too, John Adams was also a prosecutor. He was a yes, lawyer yes. who actually defended the the individuals who were responsible for firing the first shots mm-hmm. of the Revolutionary War that killed Crispus Attucks, mm-hmm. who was the first person killed in the, the Revolutionary War, who happens to be black. black right, yeah. And he defended those guys in court saying that Christmas Attucks was at fault yeah. when really he wasn't. There was another guy who actually was a brawler who had gotten who was getting in fights with the British soldiers all week and then doing this little party thing. He was one of the people who started a fight. Yeah. Somebody accidentally fired a shot and that shot ricocheted and hit Crispus Addicts mm-hmm. and killed him. You know, so, yeah, he, he was considered to be pro Great Britain, which went a lot away from um, the southern presidents that, uh, that came before him. That's right. 
Um, but the War of 1812 is the forgotten war in, in the past, and a lot of people don't talk about the War of 1812. Um, but it was basically uh, about trade. So right. after the Revolutionary War, Great Britain don't leave what we call American soil today. They go into the Northwest where the Native Americans are and they stay there. And then the French Revolution happens and the uh, Anglo-French War happens as well between Great Britain and France because France wanted um, they were displeased with the European king right. as well, with the European crown as well. Um, so. The stance in America was when John Adams was president is we should stay out of it. And then That's comes right. uh, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, and they basically want to intervene because France helped during the Revolutionary War. They said we should have Francis back out of anybody because they held us down. That's right. Um, but what ended up happening was America benefited from those two fighting because their trade went up. So Great Britain accused them and said, you only want us fighting because your trade goes up and your money goes up whenever we're, we're, we're not at peace. Yep. And whenever they was at peace, America's trade went down and money um, money began to go down. Sounds familiar. Yeah, absolutely. So what ends <laughs> up happening was Great Britain and France, they're, they're in a war and France has America pick up their trade bring it back to America and then take it down to the West Indies where they are and calling it said that they were just getting their stuff. And Great Britain right. said, you can't do that. This is where we own, we own the water. So if we, if we don't own the water, then we can't win with France. And they were bypassing ships for France and saying that, no, nah, this is our trade when really it was stuff for France. And Great Britain said, you know what, this going to stop. If we see y'all and we see and we see y'all have stuff on your ship, we season the ship. And France said, well, if we see them having stuff with y'all, we're going to seize their ship. And this went on for a little while. And then finally, France said, you know what? Uh, we'll open up trade again with U.S. And then Great Britain said, you know what? We're done with that. War on y'all, too. Since y'all right. don't want to stop trading with with the with the enemy. War on y'all, too. And African-Americans was used as soldiers again. Um, by Americans and by the British. That's right. Again, the British put out, if you want to be free, we'll take you to the West Indies. We'll take you to London. We'll take you into Canada. Just get to us and fight for us. That's right. And, and, and estimated about 3,000 to 5,000 slaves from Maryland to Virginia fled to the British. Um, With the war in 1812, black soldiers were initially paid $10 per month. That's right. Which was $3 automatically deducted from their pay for uh, clothing. Mm -hmm. So their net pay was $7. Right. And in contrast to the white soldiers was paid $13 per mm -hmm. month That's with right. no clothing allowance mm -hmm. deducted from theirs. Exactly. So, you know, all, all the fugitives. Um, so remember during this time period, when they say we can take you to Canada, West Indies, we can take you to um, London. Remember again, Remember James Somersault case, and now the UK has abolished slavery That's in right. 1807. Also, remember this is a few years after the Haitian Revolution, which was against who? Great Britain and France to for Haiti to gain their independence. So that area was free as well. So the British were right; they could take them to some places where they could be free. Um, and then America again. Um, James Monroe um, promised black soldiers freedom land and money and uh, at least 600 African and American troops effectively aided Jackson in inflicting the worst defeat 
um, the British suffered in 1814. And about 2,000 black troops were a part of, uh, of the fight. Yeah, but in the, the end- the free, the free men of color, 1814. Free, free men yeah. of color. Free men um, of color. And at the end of it, uh, James Monroe demonstrated that African-American soldiers had not altered his racial prejudice and later reported that the inclusion of free blacks have been a choice between having them in our ranks or in the ranks of our enemy and didn't go uh, didn't go with the, the promise that he allowed, that he had gave. Him. So we again, for the first two wars, we're fighting for freedom. Pretty much. That's right. And whoever going to give it to us, we don't care which one, whichever one you want to give it to us, we'll fight for you. Um, I thought uh, one important thing for me was for the War of 1812, uh, African-Americans served in the Navy as seamen. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And also, they most African-Americans were assigned to tough jobs, which was like building the trenches yeah. and stuff like that. And, and you, so basically still a slave. As you're going to see, as, you gonna see as we go through the rest of these wars. That's right. Ain't nothing going to change. Ain't nothing going to change. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Yeah, yeah. And, and we are back again. Subscribe on the Mighty Motivation Network on the YouTube channel. Let's jump right back in. Absolutely. Uh, just to piggyback off what we were talking about, War 1812, part of what gets lost in the War 1812 is what happened in 1814. Mm -hmm. The War 1812 went from 1812 to 1815. In 1814, you have free men of color who who also fought. These are black soldiers who fought in battle, basically of New Orleans. Mm -hmm. um, slaves as well as free soldiers constructed forts around the city in preparation for impending British invasion. Mm -hmm. um, actually, the British underestimated them because they were black. Actually said so. Oh, they blacks, man. We can handle them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it didn't work out that way. <laughs> you know, did not work out that way. So uh, obviously, <clears throat> this is how you end up with Louisiana, as yes. it is today, yeah, yeah. is because of the war 1812 and what happened in 1814 with the free men of color as they migrated down towards uh, Louisiana through North Carolina. <clears throat> right. And when you talk about Louisiana, again, brief history, when you talk about Louisiana, New Orleans area, you're talking about an area of blacks, Native Americans. So right. free men of color were considered different shades of color. So mulattoes, dark skin, light skin, because of that Native American and African presence right there in Louisiana. That's right. Um, and those free men of color also fall in the Mexican-American war. Absolutely. Well. Mulatto is mixed, right? Mulatto is mixed. That's right. Uh, Y'all got anything else on the Mexican-American no, war? You, you're good. You're right. good. Um, but they did fight in the Mexican-American uh, war for the annexation uh, of Texas. Um, that's, that leads us to the Civil War. Now, the Civil War happens. Um, 1863, Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. All persons held as slaves within any states in a rebellion against the United States and declared shall be then, thenceforth and forever free. It is also declared that such persons of suitable condition will be received into the armed services of the United States for the first time. Black soldiers could fight for the U.S. Army. Now, Lincoln was still afraid. <laughs> I just to allow black soldiers. The word is funny. <laughs> you said the they now can fight in yes, the, even though they've been fighting. We already did. They've been fighting, right? Yeah. And then Lincoln still was scared. I don't want to put guns into the hands of black people. This, right. this scared the hell out of people. And that that was another thing that I found funny. Um, I remember when uh, was it last year or a year before last when they was talking about taking away the uh, rights to bear arms. Mm -hmm. And you've seen the uproar of people, you know, saying that, you know, that they wanted to keep it, they shouldn't do that. And I mean, even still now, 
And back then, African-Americans was, you could fight in the war, but when you came back home, get that you, gun couldn't, up, you they, couldn't carry it. We're going to definitely get it. Hold that thought. But even if we you go back to future uh, uh, previous podcasts where we talked about the Black Panthers, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, going back to California, Oakland, California, when the brothers were showing up with the with the weapons, just like you see today. Right. Um, Ronald Reagan, who was the governor yeah. at the time, said, oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, but you, all, oh, no. you also have to understand that the Black Panthers, a lot of them served in these wars. That's right. But we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Um, but of course, um, so when, but and the reason why Lincoln didn't want to arm black soldiers is because of the loyal border states. That's right. He, he didn't want to scare the loyal border states to say, you know what, they putting guns in black people's hands. No, we're going to sign with the with the uh, Confederates. Um, so black people took their own cue and formed their own infantry units. African Americans from New Orleans formed three National Guard units: the first and second, third Louisiana Native Guard. Um, the first Kansas colored infantry, later the 79th United States colored infantry, fought in 1862. Um, at the first South Carolina infantry, infantry African descent, uh, the United, the, the 33rd United States colored infantry, went on its first expedition in 1862. These unofficial regiments were officially mustered into service in 1863. So unofficially, black people started doing, started joining on their own behalf. That's right. Without. Um, being, being enlisted. So, 1863, Governor uh, John A. Andrew of Massachusetts issued the Civil Rights' first official call for black soldiers. More than a thousand men responded. They formed the 54th Massachusetts Infantry Regiment, the first regiment to be raised in the North. We're going to get to them in a little bit um, on their greatness. Um, but uh, Confederate President Jefferson Davis called the Emancipation Proclamation the most expressible, measurable of the history of a guilty man and promised the black prisoners of war would be enslaved or executed on the spot. Now, this was key because a lot of black people was um, they were tried to be scared out of joining the war because they said, if we catch you, we killing you. We killing you. We ain't right. no ain't no really taking you as no prisoner. Ain't no really doing that. We, we're catching you. We're probably hanging you. And 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 not just not just the blacks, but they're also talking about the leaders. Yeah. The the, the white the white leaders of, yeah. uh, of of the black infantry. So that's why a lot of white uh, lieutenants or colonels didn't want to lead the black regiments because it put them more at risk. That's right. And if you're captured just as a, a white soldier. Um, you treat it a little different. Yeah, That's but right. when you 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 got these black people with you with guns. Oh yeah, nah, you, you get you get hung with them. them. That's right. Uh, so African American soldiers was placed in segregated units, few of which saw action in battle, and their regiments were commanded by white men. Only a handful of African Americans archived in the officers' rank. Most black troops were put on guard duty or asked to build forts. Um, if you look about rank again, watch the movie Glory. Morgan Freeman, um, in that movie gets ranked. Uh, because uh, they tended to be in camps, these men were far greater risk of contact in the disease than were the troops on the march. As a result, nearly three-fourths of the 40,000 African-American soldiers who died in the war succumbed to either disease or infection rather than battle wounds. That's right. So the Confederacy um, also used black people. They used slaves. That's right. They said, you know what? Y'all can do the manual labor. So give uh, them a shovel. Yep. Dig the trenches. Uh, carry the bullets. You talked no about guns. the pay earlier. <laughs> Again, the pay was similar. The U.S. Army paid black soldiers ten dollars a week minus the clothing. White soldiers got three dollars more. 
Congress paid a, a bill authorizing equal back black pay and white soldiers in 1864. And, and, but but that that happened because and this is the part about the glory glory movie. movie. You yep. got to remember is if you men will take no pay, neither we, will we, we. Right. So without that stance, with, without blacks taking that stance, doesn't change that. Yep. Uh, 180,000 African-Americans participated in the U.S. Civil War, compromising uh, 163 units served in the Union Army and Navy. Black women also began to gain acceptance into the military by assisting with services such as nursing or domestic chores in medical settings, laundering and cooking for soldiers. 16 black soldiers won the Congressional Medal of Honor for their brave service in the Civil War. African-Americans participated in um, different fights. Um, 25 black men were awarded the Medal of Honor for their bravery and approximately 20% of all African-Americans enrolled in the military lost their lives during the Civil War. Notably, their morality rate was significantly higher than of white soldiers. That is the Civil War. Anything else on the Civil War? What y'all think about that? We um we gonna I guess we're gonna get to the 54. Yeah, we're gonna get to, we're gonna get we're to gonna the get people. To the we're gonna get to the people. Right. Um we can get to the fifty-fourth because I, I, I think it's important to to you know, we talk about Tuskegee Airmen a lot. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think we you you hear you see movies about them. Mm-hmm. I think Glory was an excellent movie about the fifty-fourth, but I don't think people really understand the importance of the fifty-fourth. And yep. I, I think us talking about that a little more is gonna be Okay. It's going to be important. We're going we're gonna to get into it. We're so. getting all into that. <laughs> World War One. 700,000 African-Americans has registered for the military service. They were barred from the Marines and served only in menial roles in the Navy. Blacks were able to serve on all branches of the Army except for aviation units. In previous wars, they fought for freedom. Um, in World War One, they fought for respect. So Civil War, Revolutionary War, War of 1812, they fought for their freedom. And then in World War One, they was like, you know what? We're going to fight for our respect. That's right. And that way, so we can be treated here differently. And W.E.B. Du Bois actually um, campaigned this. He campaigned for black soldiers to go fight in World War One. So he said, now they can start to respect you after you fight for the men of war. At least that's what we thought. What we thought. That's what we thought. Um, so we, we go over to Europe and we introduce Europe to jazz music. That's right. So, of course, they, they had us playing music. They had us... Um, Dancing and being entertainment. Um, but again, segregation was enforced during World War One. Um, even when integrated into fairly progressive camps, black uh, camps, black soldiers were often treated badly and sometimes with a long periods without proper clothing. There were also reports of blacks receiving old Civil War uniforms and being forced to sleep outside in pitched tents instead of warmer, sturdier barracks. And even in, in World War One, when they are dispatched into Europe, they're there to dig trenches, uh, wash clothes, do the slaves. Except for one group. Oh yeah, we're gonna get to that uh, the hell fighters. The hell we're gonna we're gonna get into the hell fighters. Yeah. Um most African Americans unit did not see combat. The 92nd and 93rd division also went to France and they actually did see combat, which we're gonna get into the 92nd and the 93rd. Um but the key thing that happens in World War One, y'all, is the Hellfighters, specifically, which mm-hmm. we don't get into, were under French command. French command. That's right. So France came to the uh, United States and said, hey, we need uh, a unit. And they gave them the, the Hellfighters. But they found out that they were treated equally. 
France right. loved the black soldiers. The black soldiers loved the French. That's right. There's they, a lot of movies that show that. Yeah. Where the black soldiers were treated entirely different in France, even in Germany, even yeah. in parts of Germany. Black soldiers were treated very different than how blacks in general were treated in the United States. But a lot of them didn't even want to come back to the United States. Back. A lot no. of them did not. Yeah. Um, but of course, their, their main job over there, uh, other than, than the hell fighters and a few other groups, uh, was, you know, digging trenches and burying bodies in World War One. But World War One was still the segregated place. Um, World War Two, nothing else changed. So everyone was in depression around the world. Um, the Treaty of Versailles, in which Germany was blamed for World War One, which they had to pay reparations. But Hitler rose and, and, and promised Germany back to power. And America wanted to uh, stay out of it. But Japan dropped bombs on Pearl Harbor. It uh, was on. It, it, it was, was on, on from on. So now America is going to war for democracy. Meanwhile, there ain't no democracy in America. That's right. But what do African-Americans say? We fight. We're going. <laughs> we're going to fight. If you ain't get it in World War One, we're going to show you in World War Two. What Red Tails say? We fight. We fight. <laughs> and so they sign up again and, and, and they, they go fight. And blacks went from fighting racism at home to fighting it abroad. Uh, so during World War II, more than 2.5 million African-Americans registered for the draft. Registered. Registered. And African-American women volunteered by large numbers. When combined with black women um, in the Army Corps, more than 1 million African-Americans served in the Army during uh, this war. That's when we but, get the 78th. You get the 78th yep. in 1941. The first black armor unit. Yep. They got to play with tanks, baby. <laughs> they got to play with tanks. But Jim Crow was still in order. Still in order in the United yeah. States, but we had tanks. Yeah. We had tanks. <laughs> you had the, the 92nd Buffalo Soldiers, the 93rd Blue Helmets. All the black divisions were activated and set abroad under the command of white officers. The Buffalo Soldiers did great things. We're going to talk about them a little bit. Absolutely. Um, despite these concessions, 90% of black troops were forced to serve in labor and supply units. Again, you're going over there. But labor supply units rather than being in combat. And again, if you watch these movies, you'll see black people anxious to fight. They wanted to they fight. They wanted to fight. Um, except for a few short weeks during the Battle of Burge in the winter of 1944, when commanders were desperate for manpower, all U.S. soldiers served in strictly segregated units. Even the blood banks were segregated. About one third of the leaders in the civil rights movement were veterans of World War II. The veterans of World War II and the Korea War became the foot soldiers of the civil rights movement in the 1950s and 1960s, including people like Megger Evers, Amzie Moore, Hosea Williams, and Ann Henry are some of the better known ones. Over 600,000. Let's let's, let's stop it there. One World War II. What are y'all thoughts? You want to go? No, you got it. I'm going to bring up something that a lot of people probably don't know. The concept of Black Panther came from World War I. There was a group of blacks that they called the Black Panthers. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually released a movie during the war in Europe called The Black Panthers, mm-hmm. which is phenomenal. 1944, they released a movie. And this group was doing their thing over there to the point that uh, um, the general, what was the Patton? General Patton. Yeah, General Patton wanted to use them to do certain special ops mm-hmm. because they was killing it. Uh, 
obviously the same thing happened with the Buffalo Soldiers. Mm -hmm. We're going to get into a little bit, too. But um, uh, actually, somebody I want to mention is Staff Sergeant Reuben Rivers was awarded the, the Medal of Honor in 1944 for his actions with the Black Panthers mm -hmm. in World War One. Absolutely. Um, real briefly, and if Daddy, you want to touch on this more, I'll let you. Uh, but of the more 600,000 African-Americans who served in the armed forces during the Korean War is estimated by more than 5,000 died in combat. combat. The Korean War changed the face of American military. African-Americans served side by side in the same units with service members of all races and were afforded the opportunity to lead in combat. And then all, after that, you had the Vietnam War, saw the highest proportion of African-Americans serve in the American War. There were marked turnaround from the attitude in previous wars that black men were not fit for combat during the Vietnam War. African-Americans faced a much greater chance of being on the front line and consequently a much higher casual, casualty rate. In 1965 alone, African-Americans represented almost 25% of those killed in action. Um, any other thing on Vietnam War, Korea War? Just just after the Vietnam War, there the the uh, um, the number of blacks that continue to voluntarily enlist in the military rose. And we are back. Uh, we're going to jump right back in to historical people. Um Let's start with the Revolutionary War. You mentioned one earlier, uh, Crispus Atticus, whom many mm -hmm. histori historians credit as the first man to die for the rebellion, became a symbol of black American patriotism and sacrifices. He was killed during the Boston Massacre. He was a man who escaped slavery and died a martyr. Uh, Crispus Atticus. Go ahead, Slow. Who you got it? We're doing it by war or? Yeah. yeah, you can do it by war if you want. All right, because I was uh, at the honoring units. Um, is we that far yet or? What, what unit is it? Uh, the 1st Rhode Island Regiment. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's here. Okay. That's here. So the 1st Rhode Island Regiment was uh, 88 slaves enlisted. More likely, they was forced to be enlisted. Mm -hmm. um, the regiment also had free African-Americans joined the ranks. Mm -hmm. And they were praised for their success against attacks in the Battle of Newport, saying they displayed desperate valor in repelling three furious infantry assaults. Um, when the Rhode Islanders journeyed to Virginia, when several thousand other soldiers were assembling, they stood out. According to the French military officer, um, they were the most neatly dressed the best under arms and the most precise in all maneuvers. As always, baby, we know how to dress. <laughs> so that was the first Rhode Island Regiment. Anybody in the Revolutionary War? Um, yeah, Christopher Addicts. You know, there was another guy, another black guy that got shot during that war, too. Um, actually, during that first battle that ended up being Ended up being a serviceman for many, many years after that, but I can't remember his name. Mm -hmm. I'll find it. Find uh, I got Salem Poor, a former slave that purchased his own freedom. 14 soldiers recognized his excellent battle skills with the petition to the General Court of Massachusetts. In it, they called him out as a brave and gallant soldier, saying he behaved like an experienced officer. Poor is credited in that battle with killing British Lieutenant Colonel James Abercrombie, along with several other enemy soldiers. You also had James Armstead, 
Went from an enslaved person in Virginia to a double agent passing intel and misinformation between the two warring sides. When Armstead joined the Patriot efforts, they assigned him to infiltrate the enemy. So he pretended to be a runaway slave wanting to serve the crown and was welcomed by the British with open arms as they assigned him menial support tasks, but he soon became a more strategic resource due to his vast knowledge of the local terrain. Armstead Road got more interesting when the British directed him to spy on the Patriots. Since his loyalty remained with the colonists, he claimed to be bringing the British intel about the Continental Army, but he was actually pushing incorrect inf information to fool their plans. Um, if you ever watched George Washington Spies, um, what's the show called? Turn? Um, Turn. A lot of this information is is based off of that as well. I want I wanted to read something from that war. Uh, it said the average length of time in service for an African American soldier was four and a half years, which was eight times longer than the average period for white soldiers. Mm -hmm. Meaning that while there were only four percent of the manpower, they made up around a quarter of the Patriot strength in terms of man hours. Mm -hmm. You know why? There was nothing waiting on the black man out of the military. There was nothing waiting for him but racism. Right. Uh, of course, white Americans had a whole lot waiting for them on right. the other side. So they had job opportunities. So you'd rather stay and fight. because Stay and fight. There's home. nothing waiting for you. We ain't got nothing for you, brother. You know. Anybody else on the Revolutionary War? Um... Let's let's talk about the first black American to fight in the Marines, John Martin, mm -hmm. also known as Keto, um, was a slave recruited April 1776 um, with his owner's permission. Um, and he fought in the Marines, mm -hmm. uh, the first black to do so. Wow. Amazing. Uh, War of 1812. That's one I have which was Frederick Hall, was born on a plantation. An ad was put in the paper after he escaped slavery and he changed his name to William Williams and as he enlisted as a private in the uh, 38th U.S. Infantry. Although it was not legal for the United States government to enlist slaves, recruitment quotas left many officers turning a blind eye to possible legal entanglements. Williams traveled with his unit to Fort McHenry on September 10th, 1814, two days before the British landed near Baltimore. He fought in the Battle of Baltimore on September 13th, but an infantry reports indicate that he was severely wounded, having his leg blown off by a cannonball. Williams was one of four official casualties of the Battle of Baltimore, later dying of his wounds in Baltimore Hospital. While many escaped slaves fought for the British during the War of 1812, some like Williams defended a home that they would never be a full citizen of. <laughs> Shout out to Frederick Hall. Um... For me, and it, this, this blew my mind. Uh, I'm sure a lot of y'all watching this can tell. A lot of this stuff I learned sitting right here coming from these two. But when I read this, uh, the Sailors of 1812, mm -hmm. um, it says many enlisted in the fledging Navy with American privateers where there was no time or space or manpower to discriminate like there was on land. Um, it said leaders like Commodore Perry, Isaac Chauncey, um, they came out and said, I have nearly 50 blacks on this boat and many of them are among the best men that I have. Mm -hmm. uh, George Roberts, who served on that, said um, he was a seaman. He said, I found freedom as a simple sailor that did not exist on land. Mm -hmm. So he found more freedom in the water than he did on land. Right. And if you look back at history, um, this is true because. 
a lot of enslaved Africans or freed Africans found work on the ports or the docks or of boats. So when you talk about ships and, and being infatuated with ships, you're talking about Africans, um, Americans really going there to find work and they really come um, in tune with with uh, sailing and, and different things like that, which is why the Navy is one of the, the places where African-Americans enter first and, and, and really able to help the cause in, during the wars. Any more on War of 1812? Oh, we're going to move on to the big one. I know y'all got some on the Civil War. Started with the one y'all love the most, Harriet Tubman. Was a spy and military leader in 1863. She became the first and only woman to lead a military expedition during the Civil War to resounding success. Lumen, two, uh, Tubman led 150 soldiers on three federal gunboats up South Carolina's Combahee River for a surprise attack on the plantations of prominent um, successionists. Using intelligence she gathered from enslaved Africans, people to bypass hidden Confederate torpedoes along the route, they stopped at several spots to rescue more than 700 enslaved people. So even after the Underground Railroad, Harriet Tubman was still freeing people and, and being a general and, and what she do best. Go ahead. Let you go. Uh, I, I miss one. Uh, I don't want to. I, I don't mean to mess up your chronology, <laughs> but uh, the servants of the Mexican American War in 1820. Um, the army it barred all black men, free and enslaved, from enlisting. While this sometimes meant payment for the free men, that also meant being in harm's way, without a weapon, a chance of protecting uh, yourself. Uh, it's reports that servants holding the reins of their master's horses while bullets was being flying by. They had to dodge cannonballs that was meant for officers that, you know, most of the time while they were doing this, they died when the cannonballs and the bullets wasn't meant for them. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. That's right. For for a country that <laughs> would not sacrifice for you. Once again, we we that's gonna be the theme. And that's the theme. That's, that's the theme. You you talk about the fifty fourth. We talk about the fifty fourth real quick. So when you watch the movie Glory, this is a really good visual of of how things were, where blacks wanted to be a part of this. It's not like they were forced to be in. They wanted to be a part of it. Not only did they want to be a part of it, they wanted to fight. Right. Yeah. You know, so they, they wanted to be a part and they were enthusiastic about having the opportunity to fight. So they weren't running. They weren't scared. They weren't cowardice. They wanted to fight. But they also wanted to be treated equally. And we all remember, I can't, I think his name was Robert, the, the black guy who was friends with the lieutenant before, before yeah, this yeah, happened. Yeah. And he kept wanting to have that, that normal, casual conversation. And the lieutenant was like, oh, I can't have that with you. Yeah. You know, not just because of rank, but because of you're black. And yeah. we're in a situation where I'm fighting against my brother right now. I, I can't have this kind of conversation. And Denzel, would tease him yeah. about it. You know, what, what you going to do now? You going to cry snowflake, you know, because he wasn't being accepted by, by the whites. Now, obviously as the movie goes on, you see where Denzel, who's now he's ridiculing the other blacks and how they're going about things, even called um, the other guy, uh, uncle Tom yeah. at one point, right. you know, 
And he started realizing really quick that these are the people that I'm going to be in trenches with. Mm-hmm. Here's the funny part. So all the white people. Yeah. They're going to be in the trenches with these guys. They need to be able to trust them and vice versa. Well, blacks had no problem with trusting the whites. That's all the way around. <laughs> they had no problem with trusting the whites. But you got to trust me in order to go into this war. Mm-hmm. We said on the podcast before where this kind of war divided brothers, but united unlikely friends. Yeah. It, but after the war, guess what? Same old, same old. So we can go to war. We can go to war with you. We can fight for this country. You trust me here. You trust me here Mm -hmm. to have your back. You shake my hand. You hug me. You give me bullets. We eat together. (laughs) We use the bathroom in the trenches together. And then when it's all over, all all done, I can't even come in your neighborhood. Yeah. I can't work at the, at the store that you work at. I can't even come in the front door. Yeah. (laughs) I got to come around the back. You, you know, so at the end of the day, when you watch this movie, that's a great visual of what happened then. It still happens. <laughs> it still happens today. That's what drives me crazy. Right. It's always it's always back to reality. It's always back. And I know a lot of people, when you hear this a lot, everything is not black and white. Now, first, I'm going to say, you don't normally hear black people say that. Yeah. Right? Right. <laughs> black people don't normally make that statement. Here's the other thing. It's not always black and white. Sometimes there's color. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes there's color. That's us. That's it. Okay. That's it. That's it. Um, Alexander Augusta, uh, with discrimination blocking his dreams of becoming a doctor in the United States, Alexander Augusta moved to Canada to earn his medical degree before returning to serve as the Union Army's highest ranking black officer during the Civil War. Baltimore surgeon Alexander Augusta was a senior surgeon with white assistant surgeons under his command at Fort Stanton, Maryland. Uh, Robert Smalls, an escaped slave, was given a rank of captain of the steamer planner in December 1864. As the Civil War broke out, he became a deckhand on the Confederate supply ship, the planner, and learned how to navigate between ports. Between dawn on the May 13th, 1862, as white officers and the crew slept, he slipped the planner out of Charleston Harbor with eight men, five women, and three children on board, chugging quietly from slavery toward freedom. Ready to blow up at the ship if caught, Smalls give the right signals to pass five checkpoints, including Fort Sumner. And once in open waters, he raised a white bed sheet and surrendered to the Union Navy blockade. He handed over the craft's guns and ammunition, as well as documents detailing Confederate shipping routes, departure schedules, and mine locations. Robert Smalls, who later on became... Um, a politician. I don't know if it was a senator or what of South Carolina. Okay, uh, you know I'm I'm not, I'm gonna say a name, and, and this is gonna shock some people because we we at least I know I have I badgered him a little bit on this podcast is is uh, President Lincoln. Um, he did something that I thought was critical, and that after the war, that I, I well in the midst, almost near the end of the war, is he was really big on trying to help provide equal pay to black soldiers. That's one. But two, he wanted equal protection for black POWs Mm -hmm. because he obviously knew that any blacks that were being captured was definitely going to be treated worse than the slave. Uh, And obviously he knew how bad slaves were being treated. So he he did uh, want to provide equal pay and equal protection for black soldiers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as much as 
I may talk negative about Abraham Lincoln. That is one thing that I think that he did that was of his own mm -hmm. accord. Everything else was political. Mm -hmm. I don't believe this was political. In my opinion, I think this is something that he felt should be done right. because of their sacrifice. Also, it happened on the hills that some black captives um, were taken by a Confederate group and soldiers shot to death the black union show soldiers um fort, fort pillow tennessee uh -huh. and as some people may know too on this podcast i'm not very fond of the state of tennessee uh and it's because of things like this and that was 1864 confederate general nathan b forrest he witnessed the massacre and did nothing to stop it right so uh again you have black soldiers fighting um, for what they thought was the cause of the United States and then get captured and treated worse than a slave. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just find that appalling that here you have people doing risking their lives the same as you. Mm -hmm. And then they get treated that way. Once again, uh, everything's not black and white. Sometimes there's color. <laughs> I like that thing. You got anybody? Uh, just Susie King Taylor, who was uh, known for being the first black nurse and a teacher um, in the American Civil War. She was uh, she was the nursing for the wounded for the 1st South Carolina Infantry Regiment. Uh, the Kansas Colored Infantry, African-American <clears throat> soldiers are the first Kansas Colored Infantry is one of the first engagements involving black troops. They silenced their critics by repulsing attacking uh, Confederate guerrillas at the skirmish at Allen Mound, Missouri, in the Western Theater. It's also at the Battle of Port Hudson, Louisiana, May 27, 1863. The African American soldiers bravely advanced over open ground in the face of deadly artillery fire. Although the attack failed, the black soldiers proved their capability to withstand the heat of battle. I said these two for instance, for a reason. Imagine being at war. In your death is to prove that you deserve to be at war. That's what that's what they were facing. That's right. So a lot of these black soldiers expected to die to be killed because they were proving that we can fight. Even if you look at the movie Glory. That's right. That was a suicide mission. Exactly. You expect to die. They they expected to die, but it was to say, if we do this. And we're going to fail. We're going to die. It's going to open up conversations for the people coming after us. That's right. That's what makes this podcast um, what it is. Because every time, every episode, we talk about the sacrifices that people made for the people that's coming behind them. And as you see, the Civil War was really the turn of events that allowed more soldiers to come in in World War One, World War Two, is because of the brave soldiers from the Revolutionary War to the Civil War that sacrificed themselves, knowing that they weren't going to survive. That's especially right. in the Civil War. That's right. Because they were sent on what they considered dummy missions. That's right. Um, and, and, and accomplished so much. So when you look at the, the 54th, they they accomplished so much. Even if you look at the Battle of Chafin Farm in Virginia, it became one of the most heroic engagements involving black troops. Um, the African-American Division of the 18th Corps are after uh, being pinned down by Confederate artillery fire for over 30 minutes, charged the earthworks and rushed up the slopes of the heights. During the hour-long engagement of the division suffered tremendous casualties. Of the 25 African-Americans who were awarded the, con 
the Congressional Medal of Honor during the Civil War. 14 received the honor as a result of their actions at Chaffin's Farm. So, you, again, you're talking about a dummy mission. You're That's talking right. about suicide missions. I'm going to give you a, this is going to be an odd one. This is Colonel Ty. Oh, I him. The most noteworthy black loyalist. And, and, and obviously, for the people who want to know the different sides, the loyalists are people who sided with, Brit right. with British um, in the Revolutionary War. And why I'm, 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 I'm going to him is because two of the people that you mentioned, Peter Salem and Salem Poor, mm -hmm. which are the most noted African-American patriots. Right. Obviously, they fought for the colonists. But Colonel Ty was on the... Exactly. Right. So, but what Colonel Ty tried to do is... He tried to communicate to Peter Salem and Salem Poor during the war and tell them, you guys are on the wrong side. Mm -hmm. You guys think, and again, go back to what we said at the beginning about why the Revolutionary War was really fought. Mm -hmm. He was telling them, you think you're fighting for freedom. You are not. Mm -hmm. You think you're fighting for independence from Great Britain? You are, but we're the ones that's protecting you, that's trying to protect you and rid you of slavery. Right. They did not buy it. They believed America was fighting for the freedom and independence for all, mm -hmm. not just white people. They were sadly mistaken. But Colonel Ty tried to convince them mm -hmm. of that. Uh, obviously, there's going to be a movie about this soon because they were talking about this. And when you talk about Turn, when Turn first came out yeah. and even what was the other one with um, Paul Revere and Benedict Arnold? I can't think of the name of it, but it was similar to Turn. But they've been talking about doing something regarding how black people were misled and how other blacks that was fighting for the British was trying to tell them, you're on the wrong side, mm -hmm. Jack. And they didn't find that out until the war was over. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously, I thought that was critical because he tried to tell them that they were on the wrong side. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but it, it, Colonel, if you don't know who Colonel Ty was, he was a, a soldier that basically led a lot of raids in the New Jersey area, um, gathering, uh, taking away the Patriot supplies and, and, and different things. That's right. Um, when you talk about New Jersey, New York, remember George Washington ends up having to leave New York because Great Britain's stance is so strong in New York. So, um, again, the great city that burned New York. Um, but a lot of that had to do with um, those type of things. Anybody else on the Civil War? I think we killed it. All right. Uh, moving on to um, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. And we are back again. Subscribe on the YouTube channel. Mighty Mo uh, the Mighty Motivation Network on YouTube. Subscribe on the YouTube Mighty Motivation Network. Uh, we're going to move forward. We're going to continue on talking about great people. Uh, World War One. I, I got Henry Johnson. So what happened with Henry Johnson was uh, there was a, a racist journalist by the name of Irvin Cobb who wrote about the experiences that was going on in World War One, And he was known for writing racist stuff about African-American soldiers um, until he heard about Henry Johnson's heroic um, battle. And after that, he started writing nothing but praise about African-American soldiers. And it changed his mindset on a lot of uh, racist things that he had in his head. But uh, what Henry Johnson did, he fought off German raid in hand-to-hand -hand combat, killing multiple German soldiers and rescuing a fellow soldier while experiencing 21 wounds. Johnson was recognized by the French 
with a Croix degree with a star and bronze palm. It was the first United soldier, United States soldier in World War I to receive the honor. He didn't receive the Medal of Honor until Obama was president in 2015. Imagine that. Imagine that. Um, World War I, Dr. Lewis Tompkins Wright, son of a man born into slavery, graduated from Harvard University School of Medicine um, with honors, mm-hmm. was commissioned as the first lieutenant in the medical section of the U.S. Army Officers Reserve Corps. He rose the rank in lieutenant during the World War One. Mm. Goodness. Goodness. Got anybody calling? I don't. All right. So there was 104 African-American medical doctors who volunteered to serve during World War I. They were assigned to care for wounded and sick in all black units of the 92nd and 93rd Division. Most of these men graduated from the three black colleges that specialized in training medical professions. One of these people happened to be a guy by the name of First Lieutenant Urbane Francis Bass. Class of 1906, under heavy German fire, the Richmond, Virginia native made the ultimate sacrifice while aiding wounded soldiers of the 93rd Division of All Black uh, Infantry in France. Lieutenant Bass went into the line so he could provide immediate aid to the wounded when he when a shell blasted in, in the forward aid station he was been working in. The explosion severed, severed both of his legs around the thigh region, with not many attendants around. Lieutenant Bass died in, in minutes. Um, we thank you for your bravery uh, as a, a medical doctor and your sacrifice. I'm going to go General John J. Pershing, um, part of the Harlem Hellfighters. Let's go into them. The first all-black U.S. combat unit to be shipped overseas during World War One. Um, and there was a, um, incident, a, a, a violent racial incident that happened in Spartanburg, South Carolina. For those that don't know, I'm not particularly a fan of South Carolina either. <laughs> um, and so the unit was planning to avenge the physical attack of their drum major, Noble Sissel. Um, there was no official combat role at this time for the American black soldiers. John Parishin responded to France's request for troops by assigning the 369th and the 93rd Division, mm-hmm. other regiments, to the French Army. Mm-hmm. The Germans dubbed the unit the Hellfighters. The Hellfighters. Because during Bronx. 191 days of duty at the front, For sure. no men were captured, mm-hmm. no, ground, no people taken on the ground. Mm-hmm. However, almost one-third of the unit died in combat. Mm-hmm. The Hellfighters. So one-third died in combat, but also understand this. When they return back to America, again, remember, the, the United States put out a memo to the French that That's said, right. do not treat black soldiers equally because when they come home, they're going to be a rude awakening. So when the Harlem Hellfighters return home again, the name Harlem Hellfighters don't, ain't going to sit well with white folks at home. That's right. And one of the things that happened was a bunch of white people went up to these soldiers and told them to take their uniform off. That's right. They refused. 77 black men were lynched, including uh, servicemen that were still in their uniform. And this sparked the red summer. Absolutely. So just think about 
on the front lines fighting for 191 days to return home only to be Killed. Absolutely. You know, and as we we're reading this and, and we're going through the chronology and I'm looking at the, the, the years and I know we don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but I, I can't help it. I can't help but to think about it because we're talking 1917, 1918. Mm-hmm. Um, and while we're at 1918, I'll go ahead and mention Freddie Storrs um, oh, cited for the uh, Medal of Honor for his actions at Hill 188 yeah. Champagne um, Marine Sector in France uh, in 1918. So I want to mention that. But as we approach 1920 and 1921 and, and Bake, you, you know where I'm going with this because you know what happened in 1920, 1921. Oh, no. Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Absolutely. Celebrating uh, the 100 years. Exactly. And, see, we, and, I, and I, can't, I have to mention it because it happened the weekend on Memorial Day in 1920, yes. 1921. Yeah. And for, for those that don't understand what I'm getting at, give me a second. We're going to get there. We, we're talking about wars. We're talking about the contribution that blacks made to military and war. But we're also talking about the contribution and the 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 sacrifice and the suffrage that blacks have been endured for the sake of this country and at the hands of this country. So it's both. Right. So when we talk about at the hands of this country, we can't talk about war and sacrifice and suffrage in black American and not talk about what happened in, in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. You cannot. We cannot. We would be doing a, a disservice, disservice if we did that. So for those that don't know what I'm talking about, I'll let Bake explain to you guys a little bit about what happened with what we call Black Wall Street. Mm -hmm. So what happens with Black Wall Street is um, African-Americans in in the area which we consider our own town. Greenwood, uh, Tulsa. Greenwood, Greenwood, Tulsa. Because, of course, in the South, you had what they called across the train tracks. That's right. So across the train tracks would be white and black. They were separated. by neighborhoods. So what happens in Tulsa, Oklahoma was black people began to flourish, thrive. You're talking about your own businesses. You're talking about your own doctor's offices, own grocery stores, only own buses. You're talking about black owned everything. And, and they begin to create more wealth than most white cities in America. That's right. But what ends up happening is- Recycling black dollars. That's what we talk about, recycling uh, black dollars. Bringing up the economic system. That's right. Um, And what ends up happening is, uh, I believe it's a white woman who claimed that uh, a black guy raped her. Well, he he made sexual advances to her on the elevator. elevator. Made sexual advances to her on the elevator. And white people take this and they use the, the idea to go across- into the black section and and burn it down. Not only burn it down, there were bombs dropped. If you ever heard the song, they dropped the bomb on me. That song is about Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's right. They dropped. They literally dropped bombs like as if they were dropping Hiroshima on in Japan. Right. Te- te- uh, turpentine balls, and for those that don't know what that is, turpentine balls. If you drop them into uh, flames, or if you inflame them before you drop them, they continue to burn. Mm-hmm. And there's footage, there's documentation where fires were burning on the roof of buildings. Mm-hmm. And the only way that happens is from those yep. flames yep. dropping yep. them. Yep. And, and, and as Bake said, they 
basically went and maliciously attacked the black community. So when you talk about riots, so this is why all this is, is so huge. When you talk about rioting and destroying in businesses and uh, 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 actually murdering black people, there was over 30 black people that were killed during this, yeah. this time. At the end of it, over 100,000 blacks were displaced. Yeah. Businesses destroyed. The economy was gone for Greenwood. It was gone, totally wiped out. Livelihoods gone for decades, gone. And white America did this. Yeah. This was white America riding. This was not, and also this wasn't the only place. You also had Wilmington, North Carolina. That's right. You also had um, Rosewood in Florida. You had uh, the movie Rosewood captures this. There were a lot of black um, thriving towns. Yeah, yeah, black towns that were like this and that, that were thriving on their own businesses and their own uh, properties. And we talking about 1920. We talking about 1920. During and right after World War One, mm -hmm. here we go again, where we're fighting for this country, and yet we have to fight with this country, mm -hmm. and it, it blows my mind. So we commend those that fight, but our fight is not over, and you don't have to put on a uniform to have this fight. <laughs> you can get pulled over today and start the fight <laughs> because there's a war in the backyard. There's there's going it's going to happen. It's going to continue to happen until we do something about it, mm -hmm. and. It starts with these conversations. And I'll be the first to admit, I'm sick of having these conversations. Right. I am. I'm tired of having discussions only to have meetings to have more discussion. I'm sick of Because it. nobody's listening. Because nobody's listening. But here's what. I got. I can't stop. Yeah. I have to continue to talk about it. That's all I can do. And we have to continue to talk about it because all we're, do we're doing is talking about it. And this episode is important because we're talking about it. They fought for it. They That's died right. for it. That's right. So if all we got to do is talk about it, it's incumbent of us to do so. Absolutely. And now we need you to do the same right. thing. Continue to talk about it. Continue to understand we deserve to be here. Yeah. See, nobody did us any favors. Okay. They didn't free us because... Uh, they liked us. <laughs> okay. They didn't free us because they thought that slavery was wrong. It was business. It was business. But even after that, we deserve to be here. We built this country and I know we don't want to get too deep in this, but I do want to mention Project 1619. Sure. And for those that don't know what that is, I'd like for you to take a Google, Google 16, Project 1619. And it'll talk about how they want to place blacks in America at a specific time. Mm -hmm. And then you want to say that America started in 1776 mm -hmm. with independence, right? If that's the case, mm -hmm. we were part of America before independence. Mm -hmm. Please stop treating us like you're doing us a favor. Right. Please stop treating us like we don't deserve to be here. Mm -hmm. If you deserve to be here, we damn sure enough deserve to be here. We want to be treated like that. Mm -hmm. We're not foreigners. You say, go back to Africa. You go back to Europe. We right. built this country. We deserve to be here. Right. What did you do? Right. We fought for this country. What did you do? Mm -hmm. And so if you did the same and you deserve to be here, so do we. Right. And I quote James Baldwin. I picked the cotton. I built the railroad. That's right. We built this nation. It's on our backs. Absolutely. Say whatever you want to say. We built it and we stayed because it's ours. It's ours. Point blank period. We belong here. We belong here. For black people, I need you to start acting like we belong here. And for all the people listening, there's evidence that we're here. <laughs> Before.
Just do, do your do your research do, on Christopher Columbus. Do do your research because it, it it's important. And you know, so you know, I, I talk I talked to my dad this morning. I was telling you guys when I came in. I talked to my dad, and for people that don't know my dad, my dad has an abundance of wit, wisdom and knowledge. I tell people all the time he is the the, the smartest guy that I I know, the smartest guy that I've ever met in my life. Right. Uh, but you have to engage him to get this information because he's not like us. He's just not going to come out. Hey, let me tell you something. It ain't going to happen. You, you really have to engage him. And, you know, and talking to my dad, uh, some of the things that, 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 that I've learned in just conversations with him is that people had an agenda even when they didn't understand that they had an agenda. You know, so you had people that went and fought wars like we were talking about uh, World War uh, one and two, mm-hmm. you go and you fight and you expect that you're going to be treated like France treated you when you were there, like Germany was going to treat you, treat you when you were there. And then you come back and you get spit on and you can't get jobs. Now, and you can't get any of those things. Am I mistaken? But wasn't there an order put out that everybody had to return back to America because a lot of African-Americans were going to stay in France? Yeah. Yeah. It was an order. You know, the ones that didn't. Of course, they went AWOL. Right. It was a lot of them that chose to go AWOL because the treatment was a lot better there. So right. it, it happened. I, absolutely. But when we talk about 1619 and we talk about uh, why this is important and why they teach you a certain narrative in school, this is what me and my dad talked about. It's because they wanted to teach white supremacy. Now, I know people think oh, that's not true. When we talk about white supremacy, we're talking about the white population, the white race being superior. Right. So you cannot talk about blacks in an equal conversation or narrative and have white stay superior. You can't do it. Right. So we can't teach that in school. One, we don't want to teach the white kids that because we want to teach them that they're better. Mm-hmm. We have to. And how do you do that? We have to teach black, we have to teach whites that blacks had a certain place in history. Mm-hmm. And that place was slavery starting in 1619. Mm-hmm. They wasn't a part of the original framework right. of the United States. So let's say that's true. Let's say that's true. Then what does the Constitution mean to me? Right. If that's true. If that's true. If that's true. Right. What does it mean to me? So these are the kind of questions that have to be asked that Project 1619 talks about. Because as, as he said quietly, there's evidence that we were here as early as 1492. Native Americans know this as well. That's right. So we can talk about Columbus in 1494 mm-hmm. if we want to. That's still two years after mm-hmm. we were here. Right. But you want to go, let's say document it, 1526. Right. Still as earlier than 1619 when you put us here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, this is not information that some black guy came up with. Okay. This is some information that white America is has hidden from us. Mm-hmm. It's there. They wrote it. They found it. They documented it. But they don't teach it. Mm-hmm. Right. Why? Because you want to teach white is superior to blacks. And the only way to do that is I can't give you all that information. Mm-hmm. Guess what? I just gave it to you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> just gave it. Exactly. When you think about the educational system, there's things left out to mislead as well. Absolutely. So that's why this episode, I want to do this episode, because even as a person who's seen African-Americans serve, when you think about the military, you think about 
white soldiers. That's right. When you think about the American flag and you say you guys are kneeling for the flag, who are you guys? That's right. And are, who are you? Who? What soldiers are you disrespecting? You're not talking about black soldiers that's in our family. That's right. You, you don't. You don't talk about that. You said there are people who died for this country. You're not talking about the African Americans. That's why we're doing this episode so you can see that thousands and millions and millions of people who died for this country were also African Americans who were not treated justly during the time period or even now. That's right. What they were fine, but. I, I want to get to this in a second, but I, there is something brief I want to go in. Uh, World War II, Benjamin O. Davis Jr., son of Benjamin O. Davis Sr. Uh, Benjamin O. Davis Sr. has been the first African-American uh, general in the Army. And Jr. served as a commander of the Tuskegee Airmen during the That's war. Right. Uh, flew over 60 missions. Again, we talked about the Red Tails earlier. Um, where they gained a lot of respect from from white soldiers because they rather had the rail the red tails protecting us in the in the sky because we know our planes is likely less likely to be shot down. So uh, Benjamin Davis later went on to become the first African American general in the United States Air Force, in which um, the 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 Harry S. Truman desegregation began to happen a lot because of what the red tails was able to to do. And again, when you talk about the red tails, you're talking about People who didn't come up in military ranks, they were teachers, they were you know, right. just normal people who had to go to the Tuskegee Institute to learn how to fly and then perform these great missions. Um, hey, real quick, I want to talk about military history and African-Americans effect on pop culture. OK. All right. Yeah. I, I, the first time I saw this, I was like, do what? But yeah, this was this was interesting. 1954, The Negro Soldier was based on Frank Capra, which was a recruit documentary on the, a black soldier being recruited. 1945, Wings for This Man, propaganda short about Tuskegee Airmen. Um, that was 1945. Um, so um, let's go 1951, the steel helmet, um, an early Samuel Fuller film about blacks and white soldiers fighting side by side in Korea and racial tensions tightened by a redneck sergeant and a North Korean agitator. Mm -hmm. 1972. This one's huge for me. DC Comics. John Stewart, who I mentioned about being the first African-American Marine. Sparked the Green Lantern, who is my favorite superhero. And I didn't know any of that. Mm -hmm. Didn't know any of that. My favorite superhero. Come on, man. Well, we you talk can't about, make this up. We talk about DC Comics. That's a whole different episode of, of who some of those characters are based off of. Absolutely. We'll Absolutely. So, you know, things like that blow me away. 2001 to 2005. Jag, which was, I don't know if you guys remember. That's one of the shows I used to like to watch. Is military-based um, like the, the prosecutor of the, the military. Mm -hmm. And that's based on Peter U Ulysses, um, played by Scott Lawrence, is an Afro-American Navy officer in the JAG TV series, former Marine um, officer who serves now as a lawyer in the JAG. So that was basically based on a black person. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know it, but that was, again, one of my favorite shows. There was nobody black in it. Yeah. But it was based on a, a black character. And I used to watch that show all the time. Loved it. Didn't even know it was based on somebody black. Um, and then, of course, Red Tails. We, we, I can't get away from Red Tails. George Lucas. Um, and obviously, everybody knows George Lucas from Star Wars. Mm -hmm. But George Lucas did Red Tails. I think Red Tails, in some degree, is 
on the same level as Glory. You talking about the last movie they did, or are you talking about the Tuskegee Airmen movie? The, the, the 2012 version okay, of Red okay, Tails okay, okay. is as as close to Glory as you can be in terms of war movies. Mm-hmm and showing how blacks were treated. Mm -hmm. And I think that's huge because obviously, again, like we said in this podcast, we we suffer through that in our personal lives. Mm -hmm. We enlist the military into the military and get treated like that some more. Mm -hmm. Go to another country and fight where we don't get treated like that, Mm -hmm. only to come back to a country that we fought for to get treated like that again. Mm It blows my mind. We we are we are a people, a very prideful and hopeful people. Because the only way you can do that is that you hope that it's going to get better. Prideful and forgiving. Prideful, forgiving, hopeful, mm. resilient right. people mm-hmm. to be able to do what we've done. So again, I say to all my brothers and sisters out there, be proud to be black. Right. Because you have the pedigree to be great. Right. You have it. It's instilled in you. Just look at what we've done. Mm-hmm. Look at the chronology of what we've done, what we've overcame into where we are right now. Mm-hmm. Be proud to be black. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get more into conversation, um, there's a few names I want to list real quick and then we'll take a quick commercial break. Uh, Phyllis Daly, first African-American woman sworn into the Navy. Nurse Corps was a Columbia, Columbia University student from New York. She was the first of only four African-American women to serve as a Navy nurse during World War II. Addis DeVoe eventually became the first black nurse to join their regular U.S. Navy ranks in January of 1948, and also the first to serve outside the continental uh, United States. Doris Miller was the one who, um, after Pearl Harbor, Took the uh, aircraft gun and fired back at the Japanese. That's right. He had no training to do so, <laughs> but it was like, "Yo, forget it. This my it's on the pop. This my opportunity. Let me let me go and uh, do what I got to do." Uh, but yeah, well, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. Uh, we're gonna come back. We're just gonna have conversation, and we are back. Uh, thank everybody for tuning in. Um, we're gonna jump right in. I just want to have conversation for a second uh, because when we begin to talk about this episode. You know, the first thing that come to my mind is the kneeling for the flag is disrespectful to the soldiers. And for me personally, uh, of course, I 100 percent disagree with this. It's because Colin Kaepernick's uh, kneeling for the flag or anybody else that decided to to sit for the flag, uh, holding up the fist during the national anthem being played, whatever the case you may look at in history, I believe that... um, our ancestors would agree with it. Um, I believe that there are not a lot of black people who would say that that's disrespectful to them because for what they fought for was the right and opportunity to begin to do that. Um, so when most people think, when white people say our, our, our people die, people die for this country. They mostly talking about their family, but they're not understanding that African Americans that die for this country as well. Some ain't even had nothing to do with them. Ain't even put the uniform on. They just died for the country. <laughs> just die you for know the country. what I'm saying? That's right. You just die for the right to try to be free. You die for the right to have the, the rights that you have in the country. Right. So you're talking about soldiers in the army, in the Navy, in the Air Force, and just soldiers of, of what's right. Um, and I believe that even if you look at the 24th, we didn't talk about the 24th infantry, but if you look at Houston, um, 
when they were in Houston, they were they came across racial discrimination and worse. The cops would harass them, beat them, kill them, whatever. And they rebelled, they rebelled against it. Yep. Now they were killed and hung for it. But even in uniform, they were still fighting for racial injustice. That's right. Um, and I believe that we are doing the right thing. And I believe our ancestors were praised because they fought for the opportunity for us to do so. Absolutely. Without being killed, without being killed for it. But even though we are being killed verbally for it. But. That's right. Uh, I'm going to read something. Once let the black man get upon his person the brass letter, U.S., let him get an eagle on his button and musket on his shoulder and bullets in his pocket. Mm-hmm. There is no power on earth that can deny that he has earned the right to citizenship. Mm-hmm. Frederick Douglass. Yes. And that's based on just in part the dedication, service that black America put towards this country. So when we talk about get your eagle on, <laughs> completely different. Yeah. We're talking about getting the eagle on your button, mm-hmm. serving this country, country that you are hopeful is going to treat you as a citizen, mm-hmm. which it did not. And in a lot of cases still does not. But yet we are still hopeful. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when I read words like that of Frederick Douglass, they already know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, this is a guy who's writing this during the time. Mm-hmm. He already knows that no matter what, we're not going to be treated as citizens. Mm-hmm. The hope is that you've earned the right to be treated as a citizen. If that don't earn your right, if picking the cotton and you whooping me and we enduring the fact you're trading and selling our relatives and loved ones, if that don't earn the right, mm-hmm. the hell does earn the right. Mm-hmm. What do we have to do to earn the right to be treated as a citizen? Tell us. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll do it. If we, we've we already done everything else, what do we need to do to earn the citizenship? Mm-hmm. When you think about the flag, um, I read this. It says the red in the flag is symbolic of hardiness and violence. We know African-Americans represent that from what we face in this country. Absolutely. The white symbolizes purity and innocence. <laughs> and we know that is has not been fulfilled. That has not been fulfilled. By the people who we consider our forefathers. Or this country. Or, or, or the people who wave their flag every day. That's right. And the blue represents vigilance, perseverance, justice. <laughs> justice. Justice. So if you're fighting racial injustice. How can you be mad at somebody for kneeling for the flag when it's not being represented? That's right. So if justice is not being represented, how can you get mad at somebody for kneeling because there's injustice? Absolutely. That that is a contradiction. So most people want us to wave our flags, just say you the freedom of America. But what happens when it's not free for Absolutely. everybody? You know, you you talked about different world earlier. You know, one of the things that he says was in that in that scene was you're an immigrant. Your grandparents came over here and got all of this freedom. He said, my grandparents were born here. They built this country. Right. And I have not gotten that justice. That's right. So you get a, a spoon in your mouth coming from somewhere else. Meanwhile, 
I get a whip across my back, even though I've built it. Mm. And justice has not been served and the flag has not been represented no. for freedom. Even when we fought, if you go back and listen to this episode, even when we fought in every war, every war, every, every time there is a chance to say, hey, look, we're fighting. When y'all, let, let, me, let me get this out real quick. For the people who want me to wave my flag, shoot my fireworks, Pledge of Allegiance, National Anthem. That's right. On 4th of July. Do me a favor. Do me a huge favor. Juneteenth is coming up. Put on a Harriet Tubman shirt. That's right. Put on a Frederick Douglass shirt. Shoot your fireworks. Talk about black history. That's right. Talk about these great men and great women that made sacrifices. If you do that... I'll shoot fireworks on the 4th of July. When you recognize <laughs> our freedom, I'll recognize yours. If if you do that on Juneteenth, you won't do that on the 4th of July because you know that's a direct contradiction. So I will say that you will not do it on the 4th of July because you will understand at that point that the 4th of July does not represent independence for black Americans. Mm -mm. You will not. Mm -mm. So when we talk about black history you can't you can't talk about no history I don't care where you at on, that's in, right. on the globe without mentioning black people that's right. and what they gave to help to help to help on their own regard when nobody does that for them absolutely period it's funny that we look at these wars especially World War One, World War Two, Vietnam War, Korean War, that America will help other countries fight for democracy, <laughs> but will not listen to the people in their own backyard. They won't do it. The people that they relied on, mm -hmm. relied on. Go back to what we talked about regarding the Revolutionary War. Even more so when you talk about the Civil War. Needed bodies. Uh -huh. They needed bodies. We got a whole lot of them. They're black. Yeah. Let's put them. In, let's put them to work. You relied on us. Your textiles. Mm -hmm. Your import export before the Revolutionary War. Mm -hmm. You relied on us to build these cities. You relied on us. Uh -huh. But yet we get no justice. You can't even treat us like a citizen. Mm -hmm. Nope. And we went through all of these lists of great people. And y'all expect me to walk by a Robert E. Lee statue in Marvel? <laughs> Get out of here. Can't nothing about that dude. You know how many black soldiers were way better men and soldiers than he were? Couldn't even be, be, be buried in the military cemetery. They can't even be buried there. They'd be buried somewhere else with a marker. I think uh, Christmas Addicts was buried somewhere and it had uh, Negro Man. Yeah. 
Negro man on a tombstone. Can't even put the brother's name on there. He can't be in the cemetery with the other two people that got killed right. that day. And you also had to look at when we talk about those wars early on that African-Americans weren't allowed really to enlist, but they did so anyway, which means after their death, there was no no benefits from it. No benefits. So even if you look at the Vietnam War, if you watch the movie Dear President, that's right. one. When you get back from the Vietnam War, a lot of African-American soldiers were denied disability. And when you're denied disability, you can't find work. So they continued to do underground work in the one thing that they knew best, which was war, war. Because they went there fighting for their country. And if you look in that movie, when he gets sentenced, the judge says what? I also fought for this country. Right. Yeah, but you probably got disability. Mm -hmm. You probably had a job waiting for you when you got home. That's right. I didn't. Nothing. So I come home and fight for a country. He was, he was proud to fight for his country. And when he got home, he realized... Ain't nothing changed. Ain't nothing changed. Matter of fact, it, it, it got worse. worse. It got worse. It got worse. Because they hated him for fighting in a war that's not even deemed a war, yeah. which is why he couldn't get disability. Right. Because they didn't deem it a war. You know, people tell the stories that when they came back from Vietnam and got off the plane, uh, one, and my dad told me this this morning, that for people that enlisted, they got to choose things about the military. Where you go, you can get education, you can get a job. Right. In the military. So you got to choose if you got drafted, use a soldier. Mm -hmm. So they they give you a gun, teach you how to use it, send you to war. So you take 18, 19 year old kids, give them a gun. Put them out there in the field in, in a foreign country mm -hmm. to do something that they have no idea what they're doing, because who can today who can tell you what the Vietnam War was even about? <laughs> Let alone a seven, an 18, 19 year old kid. And then when the war is over, you bring him back. Now he's 22, 23. Let me get that gun up out you. Mm -hmm. Have a nice life. Right. Right. No money, no benefits. And you get off the plane and they're spitting on you. Yeah. People who you went to, you thought you were fighting for, you come back, they despise you mm -hmm. for fighting in a war that they said you shouldn't have been fighting in. Mm -hmm. But you were just, you were called to duty. Yeah. You were called to duty for this country, by this country. And then you get home and get treated like that by this country. And you know the funny thing about all of these wars? Um, the other countries would tell African-American soldiers that. Go home. This ain't, <laughs> this ain't your war. This ain't Go your home. fight. You know, the, the Germans would have a lady on the on the uh on the speakers saying, Go home, black soldiers. Go right. home. Eat your food, eat your chicken, eat your mashed potatoes and greens fight. with your family. And if this you didn't hear them, fight. you should have heard Muhammad Ali. Vic Khan ain't never did nothing to me. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, he had more problems with white people than he did Vic Khan. So you think about what other countries was looking at like, wait a minute. They always saying that they treat it this way, but they over here fighting us with them. with them. So just think about how loyal the black person is and how loyal in history we've always been. And then look at us now. That's why we ain't got nothing now. <laughs> That's why we ain't got nothing now. Even, hold on, even if you look at the way the last soldier was just treated in the, the, the stop. That's right. Doesn't, yep. That uniform don't mean nothing. Don't mean nothing. You're still black underneath it. Exactly. What, what I got from the, the earlier wars we had talked about was um, if you're captured, you're treated just as bad um, you, or you were returned to slavery or they killed you. Mm -hmm. um, I want to read something that, that I found. It says, most white Americans at this time thought black adults 
as children, lacking in mental ability and discipline. Slavery had stripped black men of their manhood, so the thinking went making them dependent and irresponsible. These stereotypes led most whites to assume that a black man could never be trained to fight like a white soldier. But black soldiers were fighting for much more than restoring the union. They were fighting for free. They were fighting for free to free their people in the war and to free their people back home. Um, For me, it seems to be a never ending cycle for African-Americans fighting to break those stereotypes that I just mentioned. Um, to be treated equally. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a constant, we feel like we constantly have to fight to prove something. You know, we call it the N word. Let me, let's fight. Let me fight you to, to, to prove to you that I'm, I'm not that. Um, We have to prove ourselves when it comes to jobs. If you look at old movies and and the boss man was white, the first thing the black guy will say was, let me prove it to you. That's Mm -hmm. right. That's right. Even, you know, uh, let me prove to you that I'm not a criminal because I'm black. Mm-hmm. That's Let me right. prove to you that black men can be great fathers. The only place that we don't feel like we have to prove ourselves, which you can make a case that we that's the reason why we're great at it, is sports. Mm-hmm. That's right. But we need to we need to walk in how we feel like we don't need to prove ourselves in sports. We need to do that as judges, as lawyers, right. That's right. as doctors. Because it's a constant never ending cycle that we feel like we have to fight to prove ourselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 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 That's a mic drop. Yeah, absolutely. That's a mic drop. Um, thanks everybody for tuning in. We love y'all. Um, remember to share the the video, like the video, comment on the video. We love you guys. Peace.